So here in Hebrews, we have Christ as the ladder. We have the joint heirs as the components of the house. And we have the angels ministering to us as we are in the process of being brought into the glory of God. When we have all this, we have the gate of heaven. Destiny is a concept that occupies many seeking people. As Christians, we may believe that our destiny is just to be saved. But Hebrews reveals that as saved ones, our destiny is to become joint heirs with Christ. We will explore our destiny and our inheritance on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. We have Ron Kangas in the studio again today to fellowship regarding another wonderful Life Study of Hebrews. I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to share in this ministry on the book of Hebrews. We're going to begin today's message, Ron, by seeing a comparison of Hebrews and Revelation, two books that are often avoided by many Christians. Why is it that many serious believers don't like to get into these two books that deeply? I don't know the full reason. I can just share my thoughts concerning this. The reasons are slightly different concerning Hebrews and Revelation. Many are fascinated by Revelation at first. The beasts, the horns, the bowls, the trumpets. These kind of pique one's curiosity. But to get in the depths of the revelation of Christ in Revelation is difficult. And American Christians are not attracted to difficult things. Speaking frankly, they like easy, sugar-coated teachings. And for that very reason, among others, Hebrews is often neglected. Hebrews is just plain difficult. The revelation is profound. The thought is profound. We need especially a seeking spirit, if we would linger in this book. So these messages on Hebrews, although, of course, they're presented to all the dear children of God, they're really for the serious seeker. Hebrews is solid food. Solid food is not for babes. Solid food is for those who are mature and who are maturing. And I have to speak plainly here in the Lord's presence. Hebrews and Revelation are both wonderfully focused on Christ. But it is rare to find seekers focused as Paul was on Christ. If we want to get into Hebrews, we need to care very much for Christ Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we do not care for Christ, we will not care much for these books. But if the spirit of reality is awakening in us a fresh seeking after Christ and hunger to know Christ, these books will be found to be most precious in their marvelous unveiling of the all-inclusive Christ. Ron, as you said, Hebrews is solid food. Let's join Witness Lee with this ministry from 1975. The book to Hebrews is a special book 
I would say in the New Testament, we only have another book in the same category. None of the epistles is so particular as this book. The other book is Revelation. These two books are both revelations of Christ. They all reveal Christ to us in particular. These two books are higher, are deeper, and more profound in the matter to reveal Christ. So this is why if you check with most of the Christians, you would find out these two books are just close to them. It is altogether his mercy. In the last days, surely he has opened up these two books to us. He has <laughs> opened up the depth of his Christ in these two books. Christ, our dear Lord, Amen. he is a wonderful person, far, far beyond our understanding. We come to a message that doesn't unveil so much to us of Christ, the heirs of salvation. To know that we are the heirs of salvation, first of all, we have to realize today in God's economy, God has one firstborn son plus many sons. Before Christ was incarnated, he had only one unique son. And this son in the Bible was called at least three or four times the only begotten. After his death and resurrection, the New Testament tells us by the resurrection of Christ, many, many sons of God were born. When he got through death and into resurrection, <laughs> he had many brothers produced. Amen. He was the one grain of wheat. Through death and resurrection, he became many grains. Now, God has many sons. What is a son? A son is just the expression of the Father. Before Christ's resurrection, God had only one son. That means how many expressions God had by that time? One unique expression. But today, how many expressions God had? Many. Because he has many sons. All the sons are God's expression. We've mentioned in the past that Hebrews and Revelation bear a similarity, and here Witnessly reaffirms that these two books uniquely reveal Christ in a particular way. Ron, what is the unique revelation of Christ that we gain from these two books? One common feature is that both 
Revelation and Hebrews unveil Christ in his present heavenly ministry. In Revelation, we see Christ as the center of God's administration according to God's economy. Revelation is not primarily about seals. It's not primarily about frogs and locusts, trumpets and bowls. It's about Christ in his governmental position to carry out God's administration over the whole universe. Hebrews also unveils Christ in his heavenly ministry, but from a different angle. The emphasis is upon Christ being the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. In this aspect of his heavenly ministry, Christ is interceding for us, longing to save us to the uttermost, longing to bring us within the veil to live in the Holy of Holies and then to lead us outside the camp of religion and culture to be one with him for the carrying out of his economy. Hebrews and Revelation are distinctive in what they reveal concerning Christ. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In himself he cannot change. But Christ differs in our understanding of him and in our experience of him. Or perhaps it's better to say we differ in our understanding and experience of Christ. This is not only a life study of Hebrews, it is a Christ study. The life we receive from this book derives from the Christ unveiled in this book. So Hebrews and Revelation are unique and distinctive in unveiling the all-inclusiveness of Christ in his present heavenly ministry to carry out God's economy in this age with a view to his coming back to reign on earth with his faithful overcomers. Ron, let's rejoin Witness Lee for more of our life study. The firstborn son, the appointed heir. Do you know the difference between the son and the heir? The heir needs the maturity of the son. For the son to be the heir, there is the need of maturity. Not only so, there is also the need of being legal. According to your age, you are mature, but you have not been legalized. You are not legal to be the heir. For a sinner to be God's heir, he needs three things. Firstly, he needs to be reborn, to be a child of God. Secondly, he needs to grow into maturity. Thirdly, he needs to be legal. Christ, as the Son of God, surely he is matured. But he is not only matured, he's also, listen to this, 
appointed. Appointed means legalized to inherit all the things of the Father. Whatever the Father is, whatever the Father has done, and whatever the Father is doing, and whatever the Father will do, all will be inherited by the legalized son. So you have a son of God fully authorized to be the heir. Well, by listening to this, you may be disappointed. You may say, my, Christ, the firstborn son, we are through. We have no right to touch the throne of the kingdom. This is why I'm here this afternoon to tell you, no, not like the United Kingdom. The throne of the United Kingdom is only for one person. I tell you, the throne of the heavenly kingdom is for the firstborn plus so many brothers. We all are his brothers, not only so. Listen to this. You all have to shout hallelujah when you hear. That is, we all are his co We are not only his brothers. I tell you, we are going to be his co-heir. Join heirs. We all have been saved. Hallelujah. Do you know what is the destiny of a saved person? Is to be a joint heir. Christ is the appointed heir, and we are the joint heirs of Christ. We are going to inherit what? Don't say again heaven. In the whole Bible, I cannot find a verse telling us that we are going to inherit heaven. But rather, let me declare to you, even Hebrew chapter 2 tells us, we as the joint heirs are going to inherit the earth. The joint heirs being the partners of the appointed heir. We are Christ's partners. You all know what is a partner. Here you have a top, not millionaire, but billionaire. And you become a partner of him. My goodness. You surely are assured for your riches. Whatever he has is yours. You are in one big, big cooperation with him. God formed the biggest cooperation. Christ and the church incorporated. Ron, when we were in the life study of Romans, we saw quite a wonderful presentation of sonship, really one of the keys to that book, and how we progress from at first being children of God, then to sons of God, and in maturity, eventually we become heirs of God. Now, Hebrews reaffirms that our destiny as saved ones is to become joint heirs with Christ. Ron, what is the implication of being a joint heir with Christ? 
First, we need to see that Christ himself is the God-appointed heir of all things. God has ordained that everything be given to his Son. This is illustrated in the book of Genesis by Abraham bestowing all of his wealth and all of his blessing upon Isaac, his unique heir. So Christ in himself is the heir of all things. But God's purpose and Christ's desire is to share this inheritance with the many matured sons of God. To be a joint heir implies first that Christ is the heir and also that we are partners or participants in this inheritance. To be an heir involves not only maturity, but a legal standing. To be a joint heir of Christ, or a joint heir with Christ of the vast wealth of God's enterprise in his economy, we need maturity, and then we need to fulfill the requirement for heirs in God's economy. God desires that we be joint heirs with Christ of the whole universe. What a high calling is this! What a salvation we have that would save us from being sinners condemned by God to the lake of fire, to being not only sons, but joint heirs with Christ, the unique heir in God's economy. Ron, I don't know if I grasp it. I know it's just good to hear it. Joint heirs, what a high calling. Faith comes by hearing. The more we hear, the more we will believe, and the more we believe, the more we will participate in, experience, enjoy, and become. It's all a matter of the hearing of faith. Ron, thank you. Let's go back to Witnessley for the conclusion of our life study. The Minnesotans, who are the joint heirs, being the partners, they compose the house of God. The house of God is just composed with all his sins. We are God's habitation on this earth. The first time the Bible mentioned God's house was in Genesis 28. You must remember the principle of first mentioning. Whatever is first mentioned in the Bible, that sets up the principles. The first time the house of God was mentioned in Genesis 28, there, lots of spiritual principles were set up. Number one, where the house of God is, there is the heavenly ladder. Number two, where the house of God is, with the heavenly ladder, that is the gate of heaven. Number three, where the house of God is, with the heavenly letter as the gate of heaven, there is the ministering spirit. The angels are sending and descending. 
This is the picture of God's house on this earth. Now, don't forget, in this book, we are told, number one, we are joint heirs with Christ, and we are partners of him, and we also are the house of God. Amen. Surely, the heaven letter is here. And the heaven letter is Christ. As the heaven letter is here, upon the heaven letter, you have the angels ascending and descending. So, we all have to realize, my, the church today is the house of God, with Christ at the heaven letter. So, the church today is the gate of heaven, with Christ at the heaven letter, Join theirs to the heaven and bring in heaven to theirs. And upon this, what is here? Angels ministering, ascending and descending for the service rendered to the house of God, which we are. Once the Lord would open your eyes, you could see really the angels are now ascending and descending. I have the full assurance. We do have angels here. Amen. Ascending from us and descending from God, Amen. they are the messengers. Let me tell you some real cases. When Peter was put into prison, the angel came to open the door of the prison and to lead Peter out and to send Peter to the right place. You know the story when Peter knocked at the door. One of the little sisters said, it must be his angel. I tell you, we all have one angel. At least. I assure you, you have one angel. So he is the appointed heir and we are saved to be his joint heir. So what? So we are his partners, thousands, millions, servants, ministering for us. Wonderful. Hallelujah. May our eyes be open and see this. Ron, there is so much here, I'm not sure how to phrase the question. The joint heirs become the composition of the house of God, where the heavenly ladder joins earth to heaven, affording the angelic messengers the ability to minister to all the sons of God. Ron, this vision connects Genesis and the Gospel of John and now Hebrews. Would you tie this all together for us? I will try to tie it together. Jacob has a dream. He sees a ladder set up on the earth, joining heaven to earth and earth to heaven and angels ascending and descending on the ladder. When Jacob wakes, he has this realization, this is the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. In John 1.51, after Nathanael confessed that Jesus was the Son of God, the Lord Jesus said, Nathanael, you will see the heavens opened, and the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This reveals clearly Christ is the fulfillment 
of the ladder in Jacob's dream. In John 1.51, he also spoke of angels. Now we can go to Hebrews, and let's look for the various components. The ladder, the angels, and the house. Christ surely is the ladder. He brings heaven to earth and joins earth to heaven. Hebrews speaks of angels to whom Christ is superior, and Hebrews tells us these angels serve us, the heirs of God's great salvation. In Hebrews chapter 2 and elsewhere, we read of the church, the house of God. So now we have all the elements. Christ is the ladder. The heirs of Christ, the joint heirs of Christ, the many sons of God, the many brothers of Christ, are the components of the house. So here in Hebrews, in a very focused way, we have Christ as the ladder, we have the joint heirs as the components of the house, and we have the angels ministering to us as we are in the process of being brought into the glory of God. When we have all this, we have the gate of heaven. The heavens are open to us. Christ's heavenly ministry becomes real to us. And he himself is the ladder connecting the heavens to the earth. And the goal of all this is a corporate expression of himself. And that corporate expression depends not only on Christ as the firstborn son, but on the many brothers of Christ, the many joint heirs of Christ, the members of the body of Christ, and ultimately the constituents of the New Jerusalem, the ultimate and eternal consummation of Jacob's dream, of John 151, and of this revelation in Hebrews. Marvelous, profound, So, dear listeners, keep your ears open for more of the wonderful Christ in the book of Hebrews. Ron, you promised us solid food today. This was very satisfying. Thank you for your participation. We remind you listening, this one particularly, I would recommend that you get a copy as offered of the Life Study message that fills in many of the details that we were not able to touch in today's 30-minute broadcast. That message in its printed form is available to you when you call our toll-free number 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or when you write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. We'll be back tomorrow with another Life Study of Hebrews with Witness Lee. Thank you for listening today. I'm Chris Wilde.